Questions and Answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Mouss. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Very good evening and welcome to Questions and Answers. I'm Khawa Solomon, Q&A on this beautiful Saturday evening. Remember, you can join us every Saturday between 6 and 7 if you've got a question. SMS it, fax it, uh, send it via email. We also have social pages and Yasmina Peterson is uh, back in the steering wheel on production and you can contact her during office hours as well on 021 I'm Khawa Solomon the side and of course as always answering your question we have uh, the resident Imam at the Yusufia Masjid out at the Weinberg bus terminus back in studio with us. Assalamualaikum to you Sheikh. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you doing today, Sister Hawa? Very well. Alhamdulillah, I think uh, all is good uh, that side as well with Sheikh. Jazakumullah khairan, alhamdulillah. And uh, we welcome our honorable listeners as well. MashaAllah. Yes, of course. Uh, for those that uh, anxiously await the show and our ardent listeners uh, that just likes to listen because the fact of uh, something that they can learn, not necessarily have a question. So a big shukran to you um, over the lands and across the seas as well. A warm welcome. Sheikh, we'll uh, knock off with the very first question that we've had um, backlogged from the last time. Um, and that I must, with that, I'd like to mention to everyone who is awaiting their, uh, their answers, uh, patiently awaiting the answers to the questions that they sent it through a week or two ago. Uh, a big shukran for your patience. And uh, if you do have an issue that your question has not received our table on Q&A, please uh, forward it or contact Yasmina Peterson. How important is it, Sheikh, to practice what you preach? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah rabbil alameen, wa afdalu salati wa atamu taslimi ala Sayyidina wa Mawlana Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. I am quite sure that uh, the person who's asking this question uh, knows that it is very important. Uh, it is uh, obviously something that is common knowledge uh, for us as Muslims, that when we uh, say something, when we preach, when we give advice, we try to follow it ourselves. Um, and as parents, we know how that works with regards to our children, etc. Uh, as teachers in schools, we know it applies to that as well. And uh, um, I'm sure that uh, it's common knowledge, but uh, there is a verse that we can just uh, uh, bring into the discussion just to show the importance of that. Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 44, where Allah says, أَتَأْمُرُونَ النَّاسَ بِالْبِرِّ وَتَنْسَوْنَ أَنفُسَكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ تَتْلُونَ الْكِتَابَ فَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ Allah says, do you command people with righteousness while you forget yourselves and you are still reading the book? Uh, don't you have intellect? Uh, so Allah is asking this rhetorical question, uh, how can you command people with forgetting, uh, at the same time forgetting yourself uh, in that particular command? In another verse in Surah Al-Saf, chapter 61, verse number 2, Allah Ta'ala says, Ya amanu, lima taquluna ma la taf'alun? O you who believe, why do you say that which you don't do? Kabura maqatan indallahi an taqulu ma la taf'alun? It is a grave uh, error in the sight of Allah Ta'ala to say something which you do not uh, carry out or which you do not act upon. Uh, at the same time, I would like to say that we are all obviously weak and we all have shortcomings and uh, no one of us is perfect. We all have our uh, negatives, we all have our things that we need to work on. So uh, I think we shouldn't uh, become uh, over judgmental on other people. You know, very often we see some somebody does something which perhaps is not 100% correct. Now automatically we want to say because of that he's got no right to tell me or he's got no right to give advice or he's got no right to interact with me. Uh, that is also incorrect because all of us obviously have flaws and have shortcomings. So if somebody gives you advice and he has flaws, uh, try to accept that which is good uh, because remember you yourself have flaws in that uh, advice that is given to you. You yourself, you are not perfect. And so we, we try our best to, to advise one another and to do the best that we can and we do not leave off our duty of advising or uh, showing concern to one another even though we may have our own flaws as well uh, but yes we try our utmost best to do as we say and practice what we preach or to hawk the hawk as they say instead of just talking um, and this is quite important uh, for us uh, but at the end of the day, it's our sincerity in our hearts, which Allah Ta'ala is going to judge in whatever we do. Uh, and Allah knows best. Jazakallah. Now, Sheikh, as we know, we are facing a heavy drought here in the Western Cape, in Cape Town. Is it now advised to then perform tayammum? 
Yeah, in uh, in fact, if the uh, uh, water resources actually runs out, which uh, it, we are not there yet, uh, there's, there's quite a lot of resources still. And of course, there's a whole debate going around at the moment whether there is actually such a shortage as is projected. We know there's a political debate out there as well. Some of the dams may be empty, but there's lots of other resources that are available, which perhaps have not been used adequately by government and so on. Uh, and so, yes, if that time comes when the resources actually do run out and we don't have water in our taps and we don't have uh, any other alternatives, then uh, Tayammum will obviously become uh, applicable. But at the moment, you know, just a quick advice, we can obviously use uh, alternative resources such as people that have boreholes. Uh, they can actually use that water for wudu, for ghusl, for any other purificatory purposes. And uh, we want to advise those people also to, inshallah, be considerate towards others and also share whatever resources you have. Um, also, we find that uh, although there's a drought or a so-called drought, we find there's still a lot of water being sold in shops, for example. Uh, and so if you can afford to buy water, obviously, then it means that uh, you are still, you know, uh, not in a position to use tayammum as such because you can access water. Uh, and then also people living close to the coast, as I mentioned before, uh, a lot of people may not know this, but even seawater can be used for purificatory purposes. There's clear indication of this in, in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ when he was asked about uh, seawater. Uh, if a person is traveling and he doesn't have adequate water for drinking and for taking hudu, can he use his water of the sea? And the Prophet ﷺ answered, He says that the water of the sea is pure and it is purifying. It can be used for purificatory purposes. Uh, so um, people living close to the oceans, close to the seas, they can use that resource as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, when the time comes when there is no resource or people don't have access to this, and I suppose this will obviously be clarified by scholars and by uh, our main institutions, uh, at that time, yes, it becomes obviously permissible mm. to use instead of actually uh, taking your normal ablution as you would. Jazakallah, Sheikh, for that clarification. And with that, I'd like to add a big thank you and shukr to one of our neighbors in our area who's actually offered their borehole water. So as Sheikh said, share if you can in your area. Um, we hope and pray that that's not also going to be restricted, inshallah. With that, let's take a short break. And after our, uh, our ad break, we'll come back with more of your questions around um, eyelashes, Hanafi hudu, and the skin, inshallah, back in a moment. Questions and Answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Mouas. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome back. It is Q&A. I'm Khawa Solomon. So uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Mouas is answering your questions on 47913. We have our fax line as well. 021-44-77271 Otherwise you can call downstairs at reception for Yasmina Peterson 021-442-3500 There is also our social pages which is Facebook Just please um, indicate it is for questions and answers if you do have a question Now Sheikh, uh, this individual says I'm Shafi What's the ruling on me taking Hanafi Hudu? Yeah, there is uh, absolutely no issue for you to adopt uh, another viewpoint with regards to uh, the Hudu that you take uh, uh, and of course there's uh, very minimal differences between the madahib as far as the wudu is concerned and particularly between the shafi'i and the hanafi madhabs the only difference would be the extent to which the forehead is wiped when you take your wudu according to the shafi'is of course it is a minimal of one hair even that is wiped with your wet hands that will be sufficient but according to the hanafi scholars you will have to wipe at least a quarter of your head uh, for your wudu to be valid so that is the only difference between the two madhabs and if you wanted to take wudu according to the Hanafi uh, school of thought uh, then of course that is permissible it is permissible for you to adopt another madhab uh, because the madhahib all of them as we mentioned uh, many times previously they all are, are linked to the Quran they are all linked to the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the only the important thing is that we have knowledge when we do something, that we don't uh, just follow blindly or we just do something because we've heard, but rather we must uh, be knowledgeable of what we do. And one, once we understand what is required, we are allowed, obviously, to adopt. And people that go on Hajj and Umrah, for example, very often they adopt the Hanafi way of Hudu, uh, simply because the, the nullification of the Hudu as well in the Hanafi school is much less stringent than uh, the nullification of Hudu in the Shafi'i Madhab. And 
that is why uh, people adopt the, the Hanafi uh, method of wudu because uh, if uh, uh, two strange people touch each other uh, skin on skin for example then the wudu would not be invalidated according to the Hanafi school of thought uh, and, and, that, and thus people are asking whether uh, you are able to make wudu on the Hanafi method and the answer is yes uh, and of course like I said on Hajj and Umrah there is a need for that uh, and so there's absolutely no issue for people to do that Shukran Assalamu alaikum Sheikh is um, eyelashes and brow tinting in a dark brown brown color permissible if you have very short or hardly have any eyelashes or brows yeah of course uh, the issue of um, eyelashes and uh, any other means of beautification uh, as it were um, we, we, we often uh, say that the, the rule that we follow is that if there is uh, any abnormality in one's appearance um, uh, that is totally uh, something which people can notice or that makes you stand out etc uh, and it can be remi- remedied in one way or the other then there's uh, various methods that can be used uh, to, to rectify that uh, such as plastic surgery and uh, uh, cosmetic surgery and so on and that is all allowed if it is to, to rectify an uh, abnormality uh, etc uh, if however it is simply worn for beautification purposes uh, and these eyelashes it can sometimes uh, be a form of deception as well if it is used only for deceiving people for example or wanting to give the impression to somebody who is a prospective uh, partner in life obviously that would be wrong because you you don't want to give the wrong impression but if it is done sort of uh, you know not for those purposes if it is done for like I said to rectify something which is wrong uh, etc then uh, there's no issue with it uh, inshallah it should be okay and of course there's there's some other issues that one has to look at as well it is mentioned uh, by medical experts that these fake eyelashes may cause uh, actually it may cause harm you know to one's skin to one's eyes it may cause infections and so on so if that is the case then based on that we will also say that uh, it is not allowed because in Islam we also have another rule that says la darar wa la dirar there should never be harm inflicted upon us in any way and we should avert harm in whatever way we can I also want to say that in terms of excessive beautification you know uh, we, we should not go out of our way uh, especially women folk because it's a obviously a trend in the modern world that they want to go out of their way to change their natural features uh, to change it to to that which satisfies them and 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 what is sad is that people are never satisfied Uh, once they get into that it seems that they want to go from one thing to the other Uh, I heard from somebody recently that in Saudi Arabia of all places for example we find that the Botox uh, culture is one that has picked up tremendously where women go so much, uh, they spend so much money on Botox and, and stuff like that. And of course, uh, Allah Ta'ala has created us in a certain way and we should uh, be happy the way that Allah Ta'ala has created us. Each one of us had been endowed with a certain beauty that is unique to us uh, and, and two people will never be the same in terms of that which Allah had given them, etc. So I just want to caution also against excessive beautification. You know, uh, and so as far as the eyelashes are concerned, if it is for deception or to give the wrong impression, then it should not be allowed. If it is harmful, it is also not allowed, uh, etc. Uh, and uh, if it is to rectify something which is wrong, then it could possibly be uh, seen as a viable option uh, or a medical option. Um, and that goes uh, the same goes for for uh, plastic surgery as well. Okay, so on that as well, Sheikh, um, something related. Uh, also, can one uh, is one allowed to bleach their skin? Yeah, very similar, very similar. If it is uh, something which is uh, to rectify once again something which is wrong, then of, of course it would be allowed. If it is simply for beautification purposes, then of course uh, if it is something which is like we get, I think you get this certain creams like to it, lighten yeah. your skin and it's not a permanent feature. Yeah. It is just like a kind of a beautification. That, that would be allowed obviously, uh, but if it's something which is permanent, then that would be problematic because you don't want to change your, your skin permanently uh, other than the way Allah Ta'ala has, has created it. And it is quite uh, absurd really to see how a lot of people in uh, the Far East or uh, parts of India I've heard and so on, they are obsessed with white skin mm. or light colored skin. You know, and they would go to all lengths to lighten their skin. Uh, and that's absurd because it doesn't mean that light skinned people are more beautiful than dark skinned people. Uh, in fact the opposite may just be true in certain instances uh, or in many instances and uh, there's a hadith uh, that speaks specifically on the skin color you know one should never put focus on the skin color you know لا فضل لعربي على أعجمي ولا لأبيض على أسود in fact this was part of the uh, the speech that the Prophet made on the day of Arafah mm-hmm. where the Prophet said that an Arab is not superior to a non-Arab 
and a person with white skin or light skin is not more superior to a person with dark, dark skin. skin yeah. Allah only judges us by our taqwa, mm-hmm. by our, what is in our hearts. And we should not put over uh, inf- uh, too much emphasis on this. And so if it is, uh, let's say, uh, just a cream that you put on just for beautification, then that is fine. It's not permanent. It's part of your, 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 your beautification. It's fine. But if it is something that you permanently want to change, then mm-hmm. obviously that would be a problem uh, because it would be uh, considered to be changing the way that Allah has actually created you. And thirdly, if it is to rectify a problem, that is within your skin. You may have a skin problem and the only way to rectify it mm. is to, to change the pigments of the skin and stuff like that. Then, of course, in that case, it would also be permissible. Jazakallah, Sheikh. I think with that, uh, we will take a short break and come back with more of your questions on 47913. Uh, very interesting. A little one asks her mom where Allah Ta'ala lives. How would Sheikh deal with that? And also, how do you deal with a toxic family and uh, appropriately and not hurting them at the same time? We'll come back with those questions and more just after this. Questions and answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Mouas. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back. This is Q&A in studio answering your questions uh, by SMS, fax, uh, an email, a social media platform and uh, a call if you'd like during office hours on 021-443-500 is uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Wuss. I'm sure by now, Sheikh, uh, the classes is kicked off for the year. Alhamdulillah, we will start inshallah in the... Uh, this coming week, uh, okay. this week, in, in fact, and next week, all classes will be going Resume. back to normal, inshallah. Great stuff. So you can contact um, our reception to find out uh, more details about the classes available um, at the Yusufiya Masjid. Sheikh, my daughter asked me where Allah Ta'ala lives. I was unable to explain. How would Sheikh advise us as parents to approach such a question? Yeah, it's uh, an interesting one and uh, our children obviously they have, uh, you know, uh, great imaginations and very often uh, it's also the movies that they watch, you know, that uh, the cartoons that they watch that give them some kind of impression as to uh, what or what is possible, what is not possible and they often uh, come up with these kinds of questions. And we know as uh, our Akida, you know, teaches us that uh, one of the things that we must uh, at all times bear in mind is that Allah Ta'ala cannot be compared to His creation. Mm. You know, Allah is different to His creation. And, and Allah says this very clearly in the Quran, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ In Surah Al-Shura, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ وَهُوَ سَمِيعُ الْبَصِيرِ Nothing is similar to Allah whatsoever. Allah is a Sami' is all hearing, and Al-Basir is all seeing. So even when Allah says his Sami' and Basir, he can hear and he can see, mm. we also can hear and we can see, but that doesn't mean we are like Allah. The two is completely different. Allah's hearing and Allah's sight is completely different to our hearing and our sights. While we are in need of organs and a very sophisticated process for us to hear and so on, the, the messages to the brain and all of that, Allah Ta'ala is not in need of all of that. Uh, so, uh, But for little ones, obviously, it is difficult to, uh, to go into that kind of detail. Uh, but uh, uh, one should uh, try and explain to our little ones that Allah Ta'ala is not like us. It's not like human beings. He does not live in a place the way that we live in a place. Mm-hmm. Because Allah is the creator of everything. He is the creator of all places. So, so he doesn't need a place to live in. Uh, and nothing is big enough to or great enough to contain Allah Ta'ala's presence. Mm. So uh, it is uh, not easy, but you should try to explain. And I think uh, Surah Al-Ikhlas for me, Surah Kullu Wallahu Ahad, is one of the most important surahs that you must teach your child. Mm. You know, and the child from a young age must not only recite it, but also know the meanings mm. of Kullu Wallahu Ahad. Uh, you know, saying Allah Ta'ala say, He Allah is one, mm. He is unique. Allah Samad, Allah Ta'ala is not in need of anything, mm. yet everything is in need of Him. Right, Lam Yalid Walam Yulad. Allah Ta'ala does not give birth, and Allah Ta'ala was not born, meaning Allah does not have children, and Allah Ta'ala does not have parents. Walam Yakullahu Kufuan Ahad, and there is nothing that is similar or that can be compared to Allah. So, when our little ones ask this question, we simply explain to them that our minds are too small to actually understand the greatness of Allah. You know, uh, and Allah Ta'ala is not like us human beings that is in need of things. We are in need of a place, a shelter, as food. We are in need of uh, air to breathe. We are in need of all these things. Allah Ta'ala does not need those things because He is the creator of all those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, a, it's a, not an easy one. 
but one should as a parent obviously try our utmost best to uh, put it in or to couch it in, in a certain way that they are able to grasp even if it is a portion of that concept that Allah Ta'ala is uh, and you can speak about Allah's knowledge for example and tell them that Allah knows everything Allah's knowledge is everywhere mm. whatever you do wherever you are Allah knows what you are doing Allah sees what you are doing Allah hears what you are doing mm. you know explain to them in that kind of fashion uh, and that would possibly be uh, one of the ways in which to to uh, to educate them on this just ironically my son asked me this week Sheikh um, what happened before Allah? So I had to quickly think of my feet and exactly use those sort of examples, inshallah. But that doesn't always come naturally. Yeah, You're so stunned by the question. Absolutely. It shows that, the, as I said, the imagination that they have and mm. the things that they watch and so on. And, and I mean, that question, what comes before Allah? It's, a, yeah. it's an interesting one, you know, yeah. uh, to think that a child is, is able to, to think ahead like that or mm. to think about those things. And there we, 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 we come in and we say to them, one of the names of Allah Ta'ala mm. is Al-Awwal. Al-awwal means that Allah has got no beginning. Okay. There's nothing before him. Okay. And al-akhir, Allah is the last one and the everlasting. Mm. There will be nothing left after Allah Ta'ala. So he's al-awwal wal-akhir. And this is in the Quran. You know, he's the first and he's and the last. last. There's absolutely no, no one and nothing before him. And there will be absolutely nothing and no one after him. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is the kind of thing that we need to... Uh, and, and just as our children are able to have those imaginations, mm. you know, they are also able to understand, you know, if you explain to them. Yeah, sometimes you're just scared to give that yeah. type of answer. No, they are yeah. able to, just as they are able to have those imaginations, mm. if you give them, you know, the basic understanding of what Allah Ta'ala is and His attributes, they are also o- a- able to, to grasp uh, uh, that as well. MashaAllah, maybe we'll be... Uh, given that guidance, he raising thoughts. <laughs> that is, Sheikh. The next one reads: How does one handle toxic family without hurting their feelings and breaking family ties as well? They always use foul language, even around the the children. Yeah, we are all uh, at one stage or the other. I think faced with uh, a challenge where uh, certain people or members in our family are acting in ways uh, that are not uh, conducive or that are not befitting for us. Uh, but uh, I think using the word toxic uh, is a bit uh, is a bit extreme, uh, because once you use that term, as, as as if you know they they are so bad that there is no way that we can rectify them. Mm. Uh, so we we should we should obviously be careful in in the words that we use as well, uh, because no matter what bad things they are doing, they still hope that they may return, they may repent, they may come right, they may. And what is your duty? Your duty is always to show them the better path, mm. to show them the better way. If they do bad things unto you, you do good things unto them. You know, if they reject you, you still join yourself with them. If they speak with foul language to you, you speak with beautiful language mm. to them. And you don't uh, treat them the way that they treat you. Uh, because at the end of the day, whatever you are doing will be not for your sake or for their sake, but you do it to please Allah. Mm-hmm. And once you do things to please Allah, then Allah is the one that takes charge of your affairs. He will then change the situation as is uh, appropriate. And uh, just to quote a hadith, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in Sahih al-Bukhari, this hadith is recorded, لَيْسَ الْوَاصِلُ بِالْمُكَافِئِ وَلَكِنَّ الْوَاصِلَ الَّذِي إِذَا قُطِعَتْ رَحِمُهُ وَصَلَهَا The person who joins himself with his family as a reciprocal exchange, uh, what, 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 what that means is that if somebody visits you amongst your family and you then visit that person, the Prophet Sallallahu says, there's nothing extraordinary about that, because that is normal. If somebody does good to you and you do good uh, back to that person, that is ordinary. There's nothing extraordinary about it. But the Prophet says, if you really wanted to join yourself with somebody, then join yourself or connect yourself with somebody who's actually cutting you off. Hmm. Somebody that cuts you off, then you join yourself so with that yeah. person. This, is, this has true value. This hmm. has true uh, you know, strength okay. to be able to do that. And the Prophet, as, easy, as if he's encouraging that uh, if somebody does something bad to you, mm. don't try to do the same, but show him a better way. In fact, there's another hadith where the Prophet ﷺ had also said to a sahabi by the name of Uqbah ibn Amir, he said to him, shouldn't I tell you what is the best character that you can have in this world, mm. the best trait that you can carry with you? He says, please tell me, O Rasulullah ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ said to him, tasilu man qata'ak. You should connect yourself with those people that cut themselves off from you. You should give to people even if they don't want to give you. Mm. 
and you should pardon and forgive those people who does wrong to you mm. those who oppress you try to do good to them and so in this case uh, our families that uh, sometimes do not act appropriately continue to show good uh, character to them continue to embrace them continue to have patience with them continue to make dua for them mm. make dua for them uh, in tahajjud make dua for them after the salah make dua for them in your sujood because Allah is the one that changes the hearts mm. and uh, never give up never think that it is too late and uh, you know, some of the scholars had said that if you cannot do good to somebody, let's say sometimes relationships or things become so bad, you just cannot. The mm. person just cannot do good to that person. So the, the, some scholars had said, if you cannot do good to someone, then the least you can do is not to harm that person. Mm. You know, at least don't do anything bad to him. Leave him alone, you know, and, and, and pray that Allah Ta'ala changes his condition. And that is what we should try to do, inshallah. Hopefully Allah Ta'ala will guide those people who had done, done wrong and who had treated others badly. Amen, inshallah. Now, if a woman is married and she's unhappy because her husband does not treat her a proper sheikh, she says he's on drugs and he also emotionally abuses her, she now meets another man and he wants to marry her to give her a better life. He is ibadat, responsible, honest, everything that her husband is not. What must she do, sheikh? Yeah, I, I would want to uh, caution her just to at this stage be honest with herself um, and to you know sometimes a person if if you are in a situation you you are you, you tend to see what you want to see mm. uh, what I mean by this is she has a problem at home so somebody else comes along mm. and is, is with, and he becomes now part of the uh, equation mm. and automatically you see everything good in him and everything bad in your husband mm. Now, I'm not saying that your husband is not as you are describing him here, right? Um, but I, wh what I'm saying is just be careful that it's not shaitan and your emotions that is getting the better of you, mm. you know, because that is often what can happen. Uh, because you have a problem, automatically the, the grass seems much uh, greener on the other side. But you should be honest. Is your husband really to that point where he cannot be helped, where he cannot be assisted? Um, and yes, if you had tried everything with your husband... You had before. So even before this other man came along, you tried your best to reconcile. You tried your best to help him if he had a drug problem. You tried your best to, uh, to get him, you know, to, to do the right thing. You got interventions from family members or from imams. Or you, you, in other words, you expedited all possibilities. If you've done all of that and yet you don't see any way forward with him, then of course, if, if this is genuinely what it is, then you are allowed to seek a fasakh right of your marriage and if a fasakh is granted based on him perhaps not giving you nafaka or abusing you etc and the nafaka and the, the fasakh is actually granted then it means after the fasakh is is given you will go on the idda and after the idda is over you can then marry whoever you want right after the idda is over you can marry whoever you want uh, so what i'm saying here is that i don't uh, want this person to take this new man that came onto the scene as the deciding factor as to what she should do with regards to her own marriage. You know, the one should not influence the other. So you should ask yourself, even if this man was not there, is it possible that I could have carried on with this uh, current marriage? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, then you should give it another chance. You should try your best to assist your husband. If the answer is no, then you should do whatever is best for you and uh, you should take a decision that is uh, correct and that is morally uh, correct uh, and, and not just leave your husband simply because somebody else came along, right? Um, so uh, that is what I, I would give advice to. So uh, do make istikhara as well. Ask Allah Ta'ala to guide you in your decision that you are going to take. And uh, at the end of the day, if you feel comfortable uh, with uh, leaving your husband and you know that you've tried everything, Allah knows uh, you know, what is in your heart and Allah knows the situation. So do that uh, and then carry on with your life and hopefully there will be a, a better life awaiting you in the future if you had one that is uh, the one that you've described to us, you know, your husband not taking you properly, etc. Hopefully in the future you will have a better opportunity at that, uh, inshallah. Amen, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. My husband left me a year ago with four children in my care. I have to work, but it's very difficult for me to provide for all they need. Sheikh, what can I do? Uh, yeah, you can uh, obviously uh, go to the maintenance uh, court and demand that he pays nafaka for the children uh, because the children is his, his responsibility still, even though uh, you, the two of you are separated. 
and uh, it uh, it's a responsibility that will remain with him and uh, the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam had of course uh, mentioned uh, in a hadith kafa bil mar'i ithman an yudayya man yaqut uh, enough of a sin it is if a person neglects his duty towards those who he is supposed to look after right enough of a sin it is even if he had no other sins except this one then it will destroy him so uh, your husband obviously or your ex-husband rather his duty towards his children will remain and if you feel that uh, you have to seek interventions through the courts and very often the the maintenance courts they are quite strict on this where they the husband must pay a minimal amount uh, because you, you you don't have to struggle all by yourself uh, working and raising your children like this but your your ex-husband or the father of your children he also needs to play his role uh, in in that particular situation and uh, we make dua that Allah Ta'ala makes easy it, I can imagine for a mother with four kids you know having to work and having to do everything on her own uh, I can imagine that it's not uh, very easy but uh, we make dua that Allah makes uh, uh, makes it easy upon you and uh, relieves you from the stress that you have at this moment in time Amen inshallah so another um, sad question as well Sheikh all relating to marriage we must uh, inshallah make lots of dua for um for these couples and we think um about often you know what is going on in this land that we are not getting the so-called rain um people making the water the water the problem i think uh, inshallah may we be granted the understanding to reflect um. on ourselves first assalamu alaikum i'm very unhappy in my marriage and my husband of 34 years he treats me bad i have worked all the years spent the money in the house as well sheikh i'm now sickly and i can't anymore my husband tells me I must go. He does not give me money and don't buy me clothes or shoes. He says I must go to my family. He is nothing of me. He, I I have nowhere to go to. Uh, we married uh, in Mus- with Muslim rights and the court doesn't know what to do either. My kids take his part because he spends his money on him. Um, he told me that the house he's putting on the grandchildren's name, I will get nothing. I don't work and I got no parents. He treats me really bad. My brothers has their own families and seems not to care about me. My husband goes to work and leaves me without bread or anything to eat or leave me without light. I am heartbroken, Sheikh. I've got nowhere to go. Yeah, it's uh, indeed, uh, you know, very sad uh, to see that uh, our homes uh, have reached this level of uh, breakdown where there is absolutely no uh, communication and where there is absolutely no, uh, you know, positive uh, feeling or, or vibes within our homes. And uh, the husband, if it is exactly as it is described here, the husband is obviously very wrong in what he, what he is doing. Um, and uh, he should be uh, thinking of what he is doing because the akhirah, you know, in the akhirah he will be answerable for his actions in the dunya. Uh, and so what can you do uh, in a practical way? I think, again, I think you should get in touch with social services uh, and see if they can intervene and help and and see that your husband uh, supports and still gives you what is your due right uh, if you are still married of course you are still his responsibility if you are not divorced you should still look at uh, your, your, your nafaka uh, etc um, because that is his, his god-given duty uh, and perhaps also get uh, somebody uh, a religious leader an imam a sheikh that is close to speak to him to advise him you know what he's doing is wrong um, because you you cannot if a if you've lived with a woman uh, all your life and uh, she had been a partner to you and a support to you uh, and she worked also as she says here and now that she is not working or she's not able to give anything back to the family as if you are turning a blind eye to the goodness that you uh, received from her at the previous time and this is wrong you know we shouldn't um, uh, disregard the kindness of people uh, that they've done especially if it's the wife that is sickly also. I mean, if she's sick, she needs help, she needs support, she needs, uh, you know, some kind of assistance. Uh, she doesn't need to be discarded now. This is the moment where we need to show our strength in terms of our commitment to this marriage uh, and so on. So uh, get in touch with social services if you can. Get in touch with perhaps an imam that is close to you that can speak to your husband. Uh, and your family, I know you say your brothers, they've got their own issues and their own families to look at. But uh, we should speak to them uh, as well. Somebody should speak to them and say, look, wh- what are you going to do? You cannot let your sister obviously go out in the street. Uh, and she's sickly as well. And perhaps there's uh, of our institutions that can also assist, you know, um, uh, for you to get a place at least temporary if that is going to, if it's going to come to that. And uh, we make dua that Allah makes it easy, inshallah. It is indeed uh, a very, very uh, hard sore question, uh, knowing that somebody's ill, 
and yet they don't know how their future is looking. Uh, may Allah Ta'ala grant ease to them, inshallah. Um, and inshallah, when we get back, Sheikh, uh, alhamdulillah, somebody highlights what they can do to help this water crisis and a question around in-laws, inshallah, as well as Jumaa. More after this short break. Please do stay with us. Questions and Answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Mouis. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back. Our last few segments of the show. So send through your questions 47913. That's our SMS line. And uh, call Yasmina Peterson 021-442-3500. So Sheikh, this listener would like to know what can one do on your own to improve the water crisis in Ibadah besides um, the making of Salatul Istisqa? Yeah, very, very important question for, for the time that we are in. Um, Salatul Istisqa, of course, is the official appeal to Allah Ta'ala for rain, where we come together, we make a special salah, and there's a khutbah. Uh, and of course, that is very good. But uh, there are other things that we can do as well, as individuals. And one of the things that in, an indication is given of in the Qur'an uh, is that uh, one of the things that would enable us to be the recipients of Allah Ta'ala's kindness and compassion is to make istighfar abundantly. You know, istighfar meaning to seek Allah's forgiveness for our shortcomings. Uh, we all have shortcomings. We, we all do wrong. We all sometimes uh, do things that are out of line. And so to acknowledge these shortcomings in front of Allah Ta'ala, it's a very good way in invoking the blessings of Allah Ta'ala. And we find this in Surah Nuh, chapter 71, where Allah Ta'ala says to us on the tongue of Nabi Nuh, alayhi salatu wasalam, he said, فَقُلْتُ اسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفَارًا Nabi Nuh said to his people, uh, make istighfar, ask forgiveness to your Lord, because he is oft forgiving. يُرْسِلِ السَّمَاءَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِدَرَارًا and he gives the result of this istighfar. If you do this, then Allah Ta'ala will send you rain in abundance. وَيُمْدِدْكُمْ بِأَمْوَالِ وَبَنِينَ And Allah Ta'ala will give you wealth and He will give you children. وَيَجْعَلَّكُمْ جَنَّاتٍ وَيَجْعَلَّكُمْ أَنْهَارًا And in the year after, Allah Ta'ala will enter you into paradise and He will give you rivers which you can enjoy. The, uh, the, 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 the crux of this ayah is that Nabi Nuh said to them, make istighfar. Acknowledge your shortcomings, then Allah Ta'ala will give you. And I think this is exactly what you mentioned earlier on. We often look at what is around us. We look at the shortage of the, the rain. We look at the uh, um, dams not being filled. We look at scientific issues and so on. But the fact is we also look, have to look deep within ourselves. It's a test from Allah Ta'ala. And the test of Allah Ta'ala is to awaken us. It's perhaps that to our community, you know, there's a lot of things that we are doing that is not correct. There's a lot of things that uh, we have done that is out of line and we should uh, go back and see, you know, what are those things within ourselves. We don't need to uh, point fingers at anyone mm. within ourselves. Look at your own soul. Look at your own heart. Look at your own family. Look at your immediate surroundings. Are there perhaps things? And one of the major things is injustice, you know, uh, oppression towards others, not giving other people that you haq. And that is why even if there is Salatul Istisqa, it is the duty of the Imam before Salatul Istisqa takes place. He should tell his congregation that they must fast for three days before. Yeah. And they must make istighfar. And they must make right whatever is wrong between them and other people. Hmm. In other words, if you took money from someone and you owe that person that money and you are just turning a blind eye to it. That may be exactly the cause why Allah is not giving rain because you are oppressing someone. And Allah wants you to rectify that oppression first mm. before He is going to give you that rain that you are looking for. So the the thing that you should that all of us should be doing abundantly in, in these days is to make istighfar. And again, it's not lip service. It's not just saying astaghfirullah, but it's actually feeling deep within yourself remorse if you've done anything wrong, and also physically going out and making right what is wrong. You know, that is all part of tawbah and istighfar. There's a hadith where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man lazim al-istighfar ja'alallahu lahu min kulli diqin makhraja. A person who continuously makes istighfar, Allah ta'ala will give him a way out of every difficulty that he finds himself in. وَمِنْ كُلِّ هَمٍ فَرَجَةٍ And Allah will remove every worry that he has. وَرَزَقَهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبٍ And Allah ta'ala will give him rizq and sustenance from avenues that he cannot imagine. And this hadith is in Abu Dawood. It shows once again the importance of istighfar 
so this is for me the main thing that we ought to be doing in these days uh, seeking Allah's forgiveness making tawbah to Allah repenting returning to him and part of that repentance as I said is also to make right that which is wrong between you and your fellow human beings around you and inshallah if we do those things and we make dua continuously and Amen. we continue with the salatul istisqa we as uh, believers you know we have yaqeen and certainty that Allah Ta'ala is ghafurur rahim he is of forgiving most merciful he eventually will give us the rain that we are looking for but we need to prepare for that and Amen. we need to be uh, deserving recipients of that and we, we can only become that if we do as I've described those things that each individual is able to do within his own capacity sure. with that let's just take a short break when we get back um, there's a question around Juma and of course more of your questions on 47913 back in a moment questions and answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Mouas Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back. Our last few segments of the show. So send through your questions. 47913. That's our SMS line. And uh, call Yasmina Peterson 021-442-3500. So Sheikh, this listener would like to know, what can one do on your own to improve the water crisis in Ibadah besides um, the making of Salatul Istisqa? Yeah, very, very important question for, for the time that we are in. Um, Salatul Istisqa, of course, is the official appeal to Allah Ta'ala for rain where we come together, we make a special salah and there's a khutbah. Uh, and of course, that is very good. But uh, there are other things that we can do as well as individuals. And one of the things that in, an indication is given of in the Quran uh, is that uh, one of the things that would enable us to be the recipients of Allah Ta'ala's kindness and compassion is to make istighfar abundantly. You know, istighfar meaning to seek Allah's forgiveness for our shortcomings. Uh, we all have shortcomings. We, we all do wrong. We all sometimes uh, do things that are out of line. And so to acknowledge these shortcomings in front of Allah Ta'ala, it's a very good way in invoking the blessings of Allah Ta'ala. And we find this in Surah Nuh, chapter 71, where Allah Ta'ala says to us on the tongue of Nabi Nuh, alayhi salatu wasalam, he said, فَقُلْتُ اسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفَّارًا Nabi Nuh said to his people, uh, make istighfar, ask forgiveness to your Lord, because he is oft forgiving. يُرْسِلِ السَّمَاءَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِدَرَارًا and he gives the result of this istighfar. If you do this, then Allah Ta'ala will send you rain in abundance. وَيُمْدِدْكُمْ بِأَمْوَالِ وَبَنِينَ And Allah Ta'ala will give you wealth and he will give you children. وَيَجْعَلْ لَكُمْ جَنَّاتٍ وَيَجْعَلْ لَكُمْ أَنْهَارًا And in the year after, Allah Ta'ala will enter you into paradise and he will give you rivers which you can enjoy. The, uh, the, 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 the crux of this ayah is that Nabi Nuh said to them, make istighfar. Acknowledge your shortcomings, then Allah Ta'ala will give you. And I think this is exactly what you mentioned earlier on. We often look at what is around us. We look at the shortage of the, the rain. We look at the uh, um, dams not being filled. We look at scientific issues and so on. But the fact is we also look, have to look deep within ourselves. It's a test from Allah Ta'ala. And the test of Allah Ta'ala is to awaken us. It's perhaps that our community, you know, there's a lot of things that we are doing that is not correct. There's a lot of things that uh, we have done that is out of line and we should uh, go back and see, you know, what are those things? Within ourselves, we don't need to uh, point fingers at anyone. Mm. Within ourselves, look at your own soul, look at your own heart, look at your own family, look at your immediate surroundings. Are there perhaps things? And one of the major things is injustice, you know, uh, oppression towards others, not giving other people the due haq. And that is why even if there is Salatul Istisqa, it is the duty of the Imam before Salatul Istisqa takes place. He should tell his congregation that they must fast for three days before. Yeah. And they must make istighfar. And they must make right whatever is wrong between them and other people. Hmm. Otherwise, if you took money from someone and you owe that person that money and you are just turning a blind eye to it. That may be exactly the cause why Allah is not giving rain because you are oppressing someone. Yeah. And Allah wants you to rectify that oppression first. Hmm before he is going to give you that rain that you are looking for. So the, the thing that you should, that all of us should be doing abundantly in, in these days is to make istighfar. And again, it's not lip service. It's not just saying astaghfirullah. But it's actually feeling deep within yourself remorse if you've done anything wrong. And also physically going out and making right what is wrong. 
you know, that is all part of tawbah and istighfar. There's a hadith where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man lazima al-istighfar ja'ala allahu lahu min kulli dhiqin makhraja. A person who continuously makes istighfar, Allah ta'ala will give him a way out of every difficulty that he finds himself in. وَمِن كُلِّ هَمٍ فَرَجَهِ And Allah will remove every worry that he has. وَرَزَقَهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبْ And Allah Ta'ala will give him rizq and sustenance from avenues that he cannot imagine. And this hadith is in Abu Dawood. It shows once again the importance of istighfar. Uh, so this is for me the main thing that we ought to be doing in these days. Uh, seeking Allah's forgiveness, making tawbah to Allah, repenting, returning to Him. And part of that repentance, as I said, is also to make right that which is wrong between you and your fellow human beings around you. And inshallah, if we do those things and we make dua continuously and Amen. we continue with the salatul istisqa, we as uh, believers, you know, we have yaqeen and certainty that Allah Ta'ala is ghafoorur rahim, mm. He is all forgiving, most merciful. He eventually will give us the rain that we are looking for. But we need to prepare for that and mm. we need to be uh, deserving recipients of that. And we, we can only become that if we do, as I've described, those things that each individual is able to do within his own capacity. Sheikh, with that, let's just take a short break. When we get back, um, there's a question around Juma, and of course, more of your questions on 47913. Back in a moment. Questions and answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Mouas. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Welcome back to our last few minutes of the show. Questions and answers. You can interact via our Facebook page called The Voice of the Cape. Um, fax 021 477271, SMS 47913, or chat to Yasmina Peterson. I'm Khawa Salomon. With me answering your questions in studio is uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Wurst. So, uh, Sheikh, this young lady was like to know that, uh, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh, I'm newly married and I live in the house at my in laws. Um, at my in-laws place what should I do in order to blend in as it is important for my husband yeah of course uh, blending in uh, what does that mean I mean does it mean that you have to you know give up uh, all your own qualities and uh, you should completely you know forsake whatever you've done before uh, and just become someone else uh, I'm sure that is not what the meaning of blending in should be uh, but yes, uh, what it, for me, what, would, what it would mean is that you should display you know, good uh, character and kind character uh, the same way that you would within your own surroundings. Even if you, if you were in your own home, you should have that same character that you had uh, with your own family, you should have with your in-laws as well. Right? Uh, one of the things that for me also stands out uh, as being part of blending in is that you should try to understand how things are done within the house of your in-laws. They may not be exactly the same as what you are used to. Uh, because we have different cultures, we have different ways of doing things. So I'll give you a small example, uh, uh, issue of eating in the, in the evenings, for example. You have certain households that are very strict in terms of times of eating. And everybody sitting around the table together, having a meal. You find other families, they, they are not as strict and as consistent on that. They may eat at uh, various times. They may not eat all around the table, etc. So those are various cultures which you have to try and understand and don't be uh, judgmental about others. If you come into that house of your in-laws, don't automatically think that whatever they are doing is because it is contrary to what you were taught or what you were brought up with, automatically it is wrong. No, it may still be correct, but it's just uh, a different culture. So try to understand that and you should try to adjust. You know, and adjustment here uh, only goes to the extent as long as it does not contravene the laws of Allah Ta'ala. So you adjust only to the extent uh, that you are still within the boundaries of which what Allah Ta'ala wants you to do. So let's say, for example, uh, you, you come into the house of your in-laws and uh, all of a sudden you see that they, uh, let's take the same example, during the time of supper, they, they supper at a time when it is Maghrib, right through Maghrib. You know, they don't plan for Maghrib Salah. Mm. They eat right through the Adhan of Maghrib. Now, that you don't have to obey or be part of. That you don't have to adjust to. Because that is clearly wrong. Mm. It is clearly a contravention of the, the laws of Allah Ta'ala. So what do you do in that case? In that case, you politely explain to them, explain to your husband first, that although I, I, I see that this is a different culture to, to mine, it's not only a different culture, but it is also something that goes against what Allah wants us to do. So in that case, in a beautiful way, you try to convince them that you are not able to adjust to something like that. 
But other than that, try to assist where you can, try to be as kind as possible, try to see their viewpoint in whatever they are doing, uh, as long as I said it does not go against uh, the laws of Allah, and uh, try your, your utmost best uh, to show good character, and, and take them as if they are your own. Whatever you would have done to your own siblings and to your own mother and father, try to do the same to them. That same kind of, and I know, yes, it cannot be exactly the same, because your own parents are your own parents. You have a special connection, but you should at least try, because it's the parents of your husband, so because it means a lot to him, it will mean a lot to you as well. You know, so if you were, let's say you were somebody that in your own home, you, you were very fond of making tea for your mother and father mm -hmm. at certain times. So do that for your in-laws as well. It will be something that perhaps they will appreciate or that they will see as an act of kindness or goodwill from your side. And that will obviously uh, strengthen the bond and the relationship uh, between you. Uh, so yes, that is some of the advices that I can share with you with regards to you living in the house of your in-laws. And uh, inshallah, if you if you follow that, you will see it will become easy. It will become uh, something which is doable uh, for you, inshallah, in this new uh, environment that you find yourself in. Jazakallah, Sheikh. Now, I know that this is a question that we've actually done dealt with recently. So maybe uh, Sheikh could just, ma ma you know, is able to just recap, inshallah. Um, but if you do want a full answer, you will be able to find it on uh, one of our previous shows. And it reads, uh, Sheikh, what are the benefits of a female attending Jumu'ah on a Friday? Yeah, of course, the, the benefits uh, of her going to Jumu'ah would be exactly the same as that of a male. Uh, being in the remembrance of Allah during the holy hour of Jumu'ah, um, obviously the uh, education that she will be receiving, uh, the knowledge that she will be receiving, especially if she's somebody that uh, does not have other opportunities. She may be in an area where there's no classes or where she just doesn't have the time uh, or the opportunity to learn uh, more about uh, her deen and more about her responsibilities. So for her to go to Jumu'ah, obviously she will be gaining that knowledge uh, and, and that would be something which is very important because ultimately she she will be able to carry that knowledge over to her own children mm. and she will be able to educate them as well. So uh, females attending Jumu'ah, there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, it is encouraged as long as they, of course, don't neglect other duties. So let's say a, a, a mother has just become a mother of a small infant child. That child is more in need of her now mm. than for her to go to Jumu'ah. You know, so Allah Ta'ala understands that and uh, the priority is to, to see to the needs of the child. And she will make dhuhr instead of Jumu'ah. But if the children grows up and they are in school and she's got free time and she's not going to be curtailed in any of her other duties, she can go to Jumu'ah, although it is not fart or compulsory upon her, for her to go would be something extremely good because as I said, she will benefit, she will learn, she will obviously be able to become a better person by, by attending the Jumu'ah and hopefully carry over that knowledge to the rest of her own family, inshallah. So the next one is quite lengthy, inshallah, so we'll try and get through it. Uh, Asalaamu Alaikum, Imam. I'm a mother. My heart is very sore at the moment. My daughter, she's got married less than a month ago, and I wanted, and I warned her about this guy and his family. She was pregnant. She now lo lives with the in-laws. No bedroom suite. Has to live like a berghi. Um, reading as quoted. Out of a suitcase whereby she was used to the best of things in my house. His mom controls his income. She has no say. The mom goes to the coons and as to the, the 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 son has to fork out various amounts uh, i find this absurd um my daughter and her husband can't even buy takeaways and the mom-in-law puts up a scandal according to my knowledge um of dean my son-in-law has a duty towards his wife and baby sheikh yes absolutely your son-in-law he is responsible for your daughter and her well-being although his mother is still alive it doesn't mean that everything that he has must go to his mother he's got uh, another responsibility in his life now which is a god-given one uh, so obviously he is in the wrong in what he is doing and uh, the lesson that uh, our children should also learn from this is that you know our parents sometimes can see beyond what we can see so if your parents had warned you not to get married to this person, maybe it's because they could see the mm -hmm. background or they could see. And if the child insisted, now they can see the consequences of that. Right? The consequences is now exactly as the parent has predicted. Uh, but nonetheless, that is the, the situation now. So get an imam to speak to your to, to your uh, so, son-in-law. Get somebody to tell him that what he's doing is wrong. He's got a child. He's got a, 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 a wife to look after. And uh, they are also part of his duty. Although his mother is around, he can still do good to his mother as well. But the, ch the child and the, and the mother should not be neglected in any way or form. We make dua that Allah gives him sense and gives him uh, you know, strength Amen. to be able to carry out that which is his duty. 
And that's unfortunately where we have to leave Q&A for today, questions and answers. Uh, we will have Sheikh available next week, same time, same place, Sheikh. Um, we're looking forward to that. Jazakumullahu khayra. May Allah Ta'ala protect us. And inshallah, we all together make dua that Allah gives us rain shortly, inshallah, to Ameen, relieve Ameen. the difficulties that we are in. And uh, in one week's time, we will meet again uh, with the permission of Allah. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sakala to Sheikh Ibrahim was for setting up the answers and answering you appropriately, inshallah. From myself, Khawasanun, be, uh, be good and be well wherever you are. Wassalamu alaikum and goodbye for now.